This is Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast that pairs weed with cult and classic films to enhance your trip through cinema history. Felina Franklin is back, so that means we're rummaging through the public domain so we don't jeopardize her SAG after a membership. And with Halloween coming up, we found a pair of rights-free zombie movies for you. First, undead cannibals invade a Ralph's supermarket in Burbank in the totally incoherent Messiah of Evil from 1974. And then, Bella Lugosi brings back the dead and enslaves the living in White Zombie from 1932, one of his best films. We've got cannibal zombies, we've got voodoo zombies, we've got creepy zombies in movie theaters, and zombies being ground up in sugarcane mills. The dead are rising from their graves just the way you sickos like them. All right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. We get stoned all night long. We get stoned. That was Three Stoned Men with We Get Stoned All Night Long, courtesy of their bassist, John Blackwell, who suggested we do an episode with Messiah of Evil. So here it is, John. Thanks for the tune and the suggestion. Nobody is on assignment today. Can you believe that? So I'm Bob Calhoun. I write books and stuff. Joining me are Corey Sklar of the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. Look it up on Instagram. Hey, hey, hey. And animation director Greg Franklin of Six Point Harness Studios. Hey, guys. And joining us for the first time since before Barbie came out, she's an actor, influencer, fashionista, and major, major, major stoner. Welcome back, Felina Franklin. Good to be back. Good to be back, guys. Woo! Yeah, we have Felina. Felina, tell us what's been going on. What's what's been going on? Man, with the strike it and- has been a rough strike period. Oh. Whoa! What oh. just happened? I drank Seven Up. Oh, oh. You, no, no, there was a delay in your delivery, Bob. But I think you, you're back on time. Oh, okay, yeah, just, yeah. just, just uh, it did that thing where it like rushed to like catch up. Oh, okay. Isn't that yeah. weird? It's like it's the weirdest it's like, thing. Yeah. <laughs> how is like a Zoom meeting like a hose that you squeeze and it like <laughs> it's like builds so up and weird. then sh- comes shooting out like water? So no like weird. I don't understand. So it doesn't like make sense scientifically, but anyway, go ahead. You know, this is why we do the backup tracks, folks. Felina, Felina, what's been going on with the strike? What's been what's been going on with you and the strike? How are you doing? Um, I'm okay, man. I got laid off from my other job. Holy Dude. fuck. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Crazy yeah, ass shit. So I can't get any money from SAG or from my real job. So it's been yeah. it's been rough out here. But um listen, I've been having old movies and and weed to to get me through. Join the club. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I hope hope uh those California state bastards will give you unemployment. And... They, oh yeah oh yeah i applied day of day okay. I, got laid off. I was like immediately 
but yeah, no, it's uh, the strike is ruining everything. <laughs> now, there, there is a little bit of maybe diffused light at the end of the tunnel because they've been WGA at least has been in talks with Zaslav and all these other terrible mm-hmm. people for the last three days. So uh, yeah. are you hearing anything about that or what's what's your take on that? I mean, I TBH, I haven't really seen anything. I have not been on TikTok as much. Um, Good and that's you. where I get all of my info. <laughs> Can I say that, um, you know, Drew Barrymore was going to go ahead with production of her talk show even while the strike was occurring. She got, she got a lot of backlash. Then she came out with a video that said, look, I know I'm hurting people, but I'm going to keep sorry about you. I'm still going to do it anyway. And <laughs> then she got more backlash. So now she's like, no, I'm not going to. She did the right thing. She made the decision mm-hmm. not to go ahead with production. Can I still be annoyed with her, though? Yes. Yeah, yeah she's, totally. she's so She is so insufferable. I don't like Drew Barrymore. And Dude. Maybe, I, maybe I don't like the Barrymores in general. We have to see more Barrymores in our, in our old movies, maybe, that we could make a good judgment call. You know, honestly, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't really like the Barrymores. Yeah, they're not, they're not a fun Hollywood family, are uh, they? You know, like the movie where, and I'll get back to you, Felina, just the old movie bullshit for a second. The movie where I think it's John or Lionel, one of those Barrymores plays... Uh, Rasputin, and you realize that he beat out Bella Lugosi for the role, and it's like, fuck that. Fuck that. Like, this fucking American actor guy doing a terrible accent. Yeah. It's because he was friends with the director, I'm sure, because they all partied together. Bella was in the valley partying with Ed Wood or whoever. He wasn't in the cool kid scene. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, but you think... He was hit. Bella was hanging out with Ray Dennis Steckler. That, that movie would be so much better with, uh, with, with <laughs> Bella in it. And there's you see this over and over again where he's getting beaten out for some really cool, you know, Eastern European guy part by the fucking Barrymores. So... Yoy. Yeah, man. Her TikTok, I will say, is fucking hilarious. She <laughs> is crazy. She's an idiot. She, dude, yeah. There is one there was one video that I love of hers that she she's going out in the rain and she's like, it's just so beautiful to go outside and see the rain. And it's like, God, girl. You, oh my God, touch grass for I real. Heard, I heard, I forget who I heard say it. Some, someone, some other podcast said, they were like, look, don't talk shit about Drew because she, she had a really hard childhood. And then the host said, yeah, she's had a really easy adulthood. Okay. So. <laughs> no, <for laughs> yeah. But really we can, we can talk shit about her too, because the whole reason she backed down is she realized that she wouldn't have any fucking Hollywood guests forever that there would just be people that right. would not go on her show. So dumb, so dumb. Yeah. And you know, not to play devil's advocate, but I do kind of see look, we have to get the people who aren't writers and actors working again. These are the people who make way less money than anybody. I do kind of see that argument. They're being fucked the hardest, you know, the crews right now. So, I don't know. It's a difficult thing, but we always have to stand with the unions, right? That's yeah. we always have to. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. that's that's just the fucking that's always the Elon Musk from Elon Musk, you know, the 1% dodge is like, "Oh, well, don't don't regulate DoorDash, Uber. Think of those drivers that are exploited." That's always what they say, and they do not give two yeah. shits about the camera people no. or the the key grips or the gaffers or whatever. They don't really fucking care. That's just something they can say. 
Bill Maher also did the thing where he's like, I'm going to go ahead. Now he's like, now I'm not because he got so much shit. And I'm still, I don't like him either. So. No, I don't like <laughs> He Bill just Maher. exists to make old white liberals as racist as old white conservatives. I believe that's his life yeah, mission. Yeah, my mom loves, my mom loves him. <laughs> you know, he tells you your Islamophobia and your, your, your like little, you know, he still makes like Asians have small dick jokes and everybody he has his regulars. <laughs> anybody I ever thought was cool that were regulars on his show, Grant, Glenn Greenwald, Taibi, all have turned into like right wing t- trolls. Even Cornell West. Cornell, oh, yeah. yeah. What a heel turn over there. What the <laughs> fuck? It's crazy. As he, 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 I loved Cornell West. I yeah. loved Cornell West. Bill Maher uh-huh. was in a one great movie. He's probably in a couple great movies before he his heel turn. Oh yeah, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death is yeah, a great that's, that, film. I, did, oh I wasn't even God. thinking of that one. But he, he's in he's in House Two with the great Royal Dano, who oh, we will yeah, talk about yeah. later. House Two is that a sequel to the William Cat House or the Japanese? The William Cat House. The William, the Cat, William House. Cat House. So let's just let's just slow that down for a second. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Now, it has it has more in common with the Japanese house, though, because oh, okay. it's crazier. It's kind of like Troll Two or something. Like it doesn't have much to do with the first one. He's in DC Cab too, by the way, Corey. Oh, I love. Yeah, that's right. He is in DC Cab. Which is that a is that a good movie? I don't know. It was always on TV when I was a kid, and I've seen it a million times. I mean, I've seen it a lot, but I can't remember it. I feel like it was on TV every day. Yeah, (laughs) but I was just waiting for Mr. T to come on. Me too. He's 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 in the movie like a minute. You know, Joel Schumacher directed that. By the way, Joel Schumacher, (laughs) the great, the great Joel Schumacher. <laughs> Before we give uh, Bill Maher too much credit for being in DC Cab and Avocado, uh, what was that again? Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. Remember, <laughs> remember Jay Leno. Up all night. <laughs> Just remember, Jay Leno was in America Thon. So we shouldn't, we might not want to give too much credit to Maher because these guys do turn up in, in amazing films. That's true. Of course. Jay Leno was in that Pat Morita one too. <laughs> we're the oh, buddy cop man. one. We're the buddy yes. cop. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks about that one. I don't even know what it's called. I've g- spent a lifetime giving Billy Crystal slack because I thought he was funny in soap when I was seven years old. So yeah. yeah. Billy Crystal was great when uh, we I was little. Um I have oh, a Pat yeah. Morita I have a Pat Morita story. Early two thousands, I was in my twenties. I was drinking at the Sportsman's Lodge in in Sherman Oaks, California, because my friends, RIP, my friend's band was staying there, and uh, I was in, by myself in the bar there. They used to have a great bar, and Pat Morita comes in wasted with this beautiful woman. I believe it's his wife, and they were laughing, having a good old time. And I'm like, oh shit, there's Pat Morita, Mr. Miyagi, one of the greatest. And he goes, hey you, and he points at me, and he says, who's that guy that writes all those songs? And I said, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. He's like, yes, that's it. I don't know how I knew what he was thinking of, but we had a psychic mind melding thing. And that is my best uh, oh. celebrity, celebrity meeting ever. I thought for <laughs> sure it'd be Barry Manilow. <laughs> that's the guy who writes the songs. Yeah. Yeah. But like I knew at first, or maybe he said, who's that guy that writes all those songs for the stage? He should have okay. said maybe. But I knew, I knew, I knew what he was thinking of. I just can't believe that you and um, Pat Marino are psychically connected. I know we had a thing going on. It was yeah. nice. And he gave me a big hug and stuff. That's my best celebrity meeting. But this shit happens to this guy. You hang out 
with Corey Sklar. And, you know, it's just like at the Star Trek convention with Data and Riker clowned you for being a Chuck Mangione (laughs) cosplay. You know, they they were like... A, dr- a drunk Jonathan Frank said I look like Chuck Mangione. And, I said, and then we it. went to this uh, wow. LGBTQ <laughs> after hours, uh-huh. after convention thing with Michael Dorn at a bar in Burlingame, California. And like <laughs> wow. this, this one uh, woman, she started grilling him for being a Chuck Mangione cosplayer. Like just kind of laying into him about his Chuck Mangione cosplay. Fuck Trekkies. Well, everybody to them is a cosplayer of some kind. Yeah, you know they just spent. We're surrounded by cosplayers. Just because I had a French horn and a big wide brimmed hat on, what do I think? <laughs> and you were hugging it like, yeah, you know, <laughs> with a vest and a turtleneck, and it felt so good. <laughs> now I know with Felina here that we can't really talk about. The new releases we're dying to talk about. So Expendables 4, I know everybody here, including Felita, are just dying to talk about Expendables 4. But we do have some other media news that I don't think it will have. <laughs> yes, Felita, just dying, you know, she the circumstances are holding her back. From uh, from expressing her truest, deepest feelings. I have so many things to say. <laughs> like, does it count if you're not promoting the film? But uh, can you can we go on strike against Expendables Four? Can we strike a film? <laughs> can we pick it any theater? There is big news at Netflix, which is a struck company, but it is of interest to people who listen to this podcast, and they just ended their disc by mail service. So uh Sam Adams at at Slate uh wrote a, th- a piece called The Death of Netflix DVD Marks the Loss of Something Even Bigger. And let me just read a little bit from it, and then I want comments from everybody about this. Uh maybe Greg probably cares about it a little bit more. Here it is. Netflix won't say how many movies are on the service at any given time, but estimates put it at fewer than 4,000. Less than 5% of the vast universe it once provided on their DVD service. Where Netflix's Mm. disc-by-mail service promised you you could watch anything you wanted, its streaming incarnation merely promises that you'll always be able to watch something. In the DVD era... Netflix's queue would not only show you what was available, but what wasn't. If a disc ended up lost or damaged, the title would be grayed out and it would sink to the bottom of the page. But if a title on your list leaves the site, as dozens do every month, it just disappears. Off of Netflix. Out of mind. And then one other little bit. In 1998, the average video store had between 1,500 and 2,500 titles. Max currently has just over 2,200. So thoughts on the loss of Netflix uh, DVD and Blu-ray mail service? I mean, it does suck. I, I think, you know, having more choices is obviously good. I do think there was something kind of inherently flawed with the mail service in that my, my queue is always full of good intentioned choices. But when they come to your house, I would often wait months before I would actually watch them. Like having it in a queue, it's like I probably have movies on my queue that are I, I realistically will never watch. Not anymore. 
now the irony is you'll want to watch them you'll go damn it (laughs) yeah now exactly i did the same i still have some from years ago in my desk drawer that i just never watched and um uh uh, yeah it was flawed i i I hear they're just gonna start for those that were still subscribed to and using it i heard they're gonna just like start sending those people discs for free to keep that were on their queue i think that's a cool idea but uh what's great is there's this great renaissance happening in los angeles where video stores are back we have vidiots is opened up they're doing great Mm -hmm. business they're doing great business Yes. Uh, Be Kind Video in Burbank. There's one in Pasadena that's name escaped me. Like almost every part of town has a video store now that has a scene and they have screenings in there. Whammy, of course. And uh, they, they have guests come in and they have comedy in there. And people then, you know, it, you get a membership and you get to experience that old school feeling of going and browsing. What am I going to see this weekend? There's late fees. So you bring you watch it and you bring it back on time. And it's a good system. And I think this might encourage the return of the video store, which I think is a would be a cool if it happened nationwide. Do you think that's because like there's just too many streaming services and to get yes. certain things you need Peacock, Paramount Plus, Max, and so people are overloaded and they're like, fuck it, I'll go to the video store again. Absolutely. And I think pandemic might have birthed a new I don't want to say generation because it's like older people and people from Felina's age to our age, but um I think it people got into movies again because there's nothing else to do so i think repertory theaters are doing great there's tons of those now in la this is the best time if you're into old movies this is the best time to be a movie fan so i think a bunch of people are into movies again so they want to go see stuff that maybe you can't get streaming you know what i mean Um, which there's tons of stuff and you learn about that so i think people are movie nerds again and it's fun it's a fun time to be a movie fan. But this is an L.A. thing where in San Francisco. You think, you think so? You think so? Yeah, well, in San Francisco, the repertory theaters have, have shrunk because we've lost the Castro, as we talked about uh, mm-hmm. with Pam Grady last time, which is flagship of the fleet. Yeah. Um, and just other indie theaters like the Embarcadero Theater, um, that multiplex that was like showing a lot of art house stuff is gone. And a lot of other other such theaters. Berkeley has no movie theaters except for BAM PFA. Like downtown Oof. Berkeley, just all there were like when I worked at UC Berkeley, there were like there there was the um California Theater, there there was the United Artists multiplex, and then there was another multiplex, I forget if it was Cinemark or whoever, just all there on Shattuck and off of Shattuck. Well, I'm and, hoping that maybe uh people will or, or this trend that's happening in and L.A. will will spread. So one one other thing before we get on to the movies is I'm about 130 pages into Agents of Chaos. Ooh. Thomas King foresawed high times in the paranoid end of the 1970s. This is by Sean Howe, who also cool. wrote Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, which was the Marvel Comics book before Abraham Josephine Reisman's Stan Lee book of a few years mm-hmm. ago. Thomas King foresawed is the guy who founded High Times. He created High Times, which is, you know, big for stoners. I'm sure Greg could fill us in more about High Times. Uh, One of those magazines you never really bought, but read at the 7-Eleven while you were waiting for a parent to pick you up after school. But uh, (laughs) along with Black Belt and and, uh, Soldier of Fortune, these wonderful magazines. They had like goddamn 
penthouse centerfolds of buds in them. Like, what are you going to do? Jack yeah. off to these buds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I want to smoke that weed so bad. <laughs> oh, look at the little hairs. Purple. Look at the purple. <laughs> oh, look at those purple hairs. Now we have Leafly and we just look at Ugh. Leafly and we can actually find out where to buy yes. the shit from Leafly. But nowadays yeah. they just they trim the purple hairs and it's not as and they big. airbrush them like you Hugh know? Hefner did in Playboy. <laughs> Give me full seventies purple hairs. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the big bush. I I haven't gotten to the end of the book yet, but uh, this guy Thomas King Forsad. There's a lot of people in the book that think he's a narc that think he's CIA or FBI. So the book mm. trots that out and. Mm. I you know, it. it's it begins in the beginnings of alt news weeklies because there's all these underground papers coming out of the mm. hippie movement in the 60s and the Black Panthers. And there's also the White Panthers, which is a group I kind of forgot about, even in all my reading, you know, writings on true crime. The MC5. Yeah, MC5. Yeah. MC5 comes up a lot in this book, as do the yippies and and all of that. But wow. when Jan Winter and Rolling Stone come up, everybody in the underground press scene thought that he was a CIA plant and that Rolling Stone was a CIA op. They just thought it was co-opting the movement and full of bullshit mm. and, and depoliticizing a very, what was a very political, very left-wing, very revolutionary movement. Did you read Tales from the Canyon, Bob? No, I did not. I should. It's very yeah, good. Okay. It's very good, yeah. Yeah, the, all those motherfuckers were, were military plants. Did Jim, Jim Morrison, Morrison, yeah. Jim, Mor Jim Morrison's dad, didn't he blow up the... The the something the Gulf of Tonkin the bomb on Hiroshima Gulf of Tonkin That's what he shit. Did. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, what? Yeah, check this out, Greg. Stephen Stills' dad ran the military base that's on top of uh, Laurel Canyon, and you know what that place was? That's where they made propaganda films. And you know who lives there now? Jared Leto. Ooh, what? Up. It's all fucked up, man. You got to read this book. It all makes <laughs> sense now. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Agents of Chaos. I'm hoping to have Sean Howe on probably next season. The book just came out, so he's doing real media right now. And uh, also, great. Greg, uh, cover by Bill Sankovich. Beautiful. Ooh, one of my yeah. favorite uh, comic artists. Beautiful. Once you realize how many people have military family and political family ties that were involved in counterculture, your brain starts to break. So I advise everyone not to do not to fall down that rabbit hole. Everyone just, just assume everyone's a CIA asset and you're good. Hell, we're we're all CIA plants. This show is an op. Yeah, it's a total oh, op. Yeah. It totally is an op. Um, okay, uh, this segs it, it segs right into it. Captain John Ferrari of the U.S. Navy wrote to us this week, and he says, "I love old movies for young stoners. It's like being there, but not high." Parentheses. I try to catch up when I'm in Germany because nothing says American freedom like old movies for young stoners john thank you so much for listening thank you john and protecting our right to put out this subversive cia yeah. podcast thank you thank you for our service and now we actually have a military connection with yeah the, yeah with john's total military connection <laughs> mm -hmm. wow that's awesome um and we'd like to welcome our new international listener listeners in peru argentina algeria cyprus and the ivory coast thanks for checking out the podcast Woo! And thanks to our regular listeners in Brussels, Barcelona, our Canadian listeners in Toronto and St. Catharines and Winnipeg, our listeners in Pakistan, and our Ooh. American subscribers in Valley Village, Oakland, Portland, Malden, San Francisco, Los Angeles, everywhere else, coast to coast, baby, north and south, east and west. As Ozzy Osbourne would say, God bless you. We love you all. 
And uh, you can get a hold of us at old movies for young stoners at Gmail. That's all one word, old movies for young stoners. No letters, no numbers in that, all letters. And look, old movies for young stoners has a blue sky page. And you should follow us. Don't ask me what it is. It's movies for young stoners dot blue sky, whatever. I mean, it's hard to say all this shit with that site, but we have old movies for young stoners has a blue sky invite. So if you write to us and ask real nicely and tell us what you like about the show and maybe what movies you want us to do and kiss our ass, I will send one lucky listener a blue sky invite. So email us at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail.com and get that Blue Sky invite. We want to see you on Blue Sky. Giveaway. Blue, Blue Sky is a goddamn ghost town, Bob. I don't know what you're doing. So you should direct us <laughs> our fucking Instagram or Instagram. Fuck <laughs> Instagram. Nobody wants to look at pictures of 55-year-old men. 54-year-old man. Like, fuck that. It's so not my put, medium. put, like, pictures of, like, John Cassavetes and stuff. Dude, just cross-post. Once in a while, you don't have to do it all the time. Just cross-post there. You're you're part of the problem, Corey. Well, you can't give away a, a, an Instagram uh, invite. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm yeah. giving away my Instagram account. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky one. Well, no, we'll give away, I'll give away my ex account soon. Just take it. Oh, just yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Out. And they're waiting. They're waiting for you. And they'll take you one by one and no one will hear you scream. No one will hear you scream! In 1968, Night of the Living Dead upended the drive-in movie circuit with its zero-budget zombies scarfing on the flesh of the living. The success of George Romero's run-and-gun horror show quickly inspired other filmmakers without much in the way of funding to grind out their own arty zombie movies. Among them were Gloria Katz and Willard Hyuk, a forgotten Hollywood power couple who wrote the screenplays for George Lucas's American Graffiti, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Howard the Duck. But before they went to the dark side, they wrote and directed this shocker that fell into public domain so it could baffle late-night TV viewers for decades. In it, a young woman, played by Mariana Hill, drives to the remote California coastal town of Point Doom, spelled D-U-M-E, after getting disturbing letters from her artist father. In this spooky little villa, she finds more questions than answers, like, why is a gas station attendant shooting his gun into the night? What is up with the albino dude who eats live rats? And what about the crowds of people who gather on the beach at night and just stare at the sea? There's a lot of get out going on here, but if everyone fled when Elijah Cook Jr. gave them that crazy old man horror movie warning, we wouldn't have much of a movie here, would we? Also starring Royal Dano, the voice of Disneyland's Abe Lincoln from 1974, this is Messiah of Evil. Felina, you're back! Yes! Messiah of Evil, what are your thoughts on it? I have a lot of thoughts. I felt, you know what? It really is incomprehensible. Um, I, <laughs> I watched it 
probably oh yeah I watched it twice I watched it last night and then uh after I found out about the delay I was like well I have time I might as well just like rewatch the movie to get refreshed in my brain because I think I got a little too stoned but uh I had a lot of fun re-watching it I I love the spooky bits I think the spooky parts are amazing I think they do great um but I could really give or take the narration, the, I don't, I don't, I don't really care for the storyline. I love, I just love the shots. I love, yeah, I love the movie theater scene and I love the Ralph's scene the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are my highlights. I feel like the rest, I really like, you know, it's fun. I just like, that is the movie is the, the spooky parts. But does the incoherence add to the horror? Yes, I, I loved it. I mean, I don't think this movie is particularly scary, but that didn't mean I loved it any less. I loved everything about it. I loved the parts in between the spooky parts. I love the clothes. I love the colors. I love the music. I love the California setting. I, this is one of the most California-ass movies I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen this movie before. This movie concerns a young woman who is going to look for her father up in Point Doom, which is in like Malibu, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a beach. She meets it's, it's a, beach. a beach in Malibu. I will say this that I thought for a while in my mind and not really remembering that there's a Ralph's market in it, that I just kind of assumed it was like actually up north because up in like Marin or or Bodega mm-hmm. Bay up there because it's an artist colony. Or even uh what's the what's the uh you know Big Sur, which is right. still south, mm. somewhere like that. Well, she meets this weird dude and the girl he's doing, a couple of them, and it's a hippie, trippy, culty, great zombie thing. And so I, I liked the incoherence because it's a vibe and it's a dreamlike thing and it's dream logic. But oh, do you agree that the incoherence adds to it, Greg, or no? I don't know. I felt like I followed it pretty well, I thought. Yeah, you I, mean, know, I did. Maybe. I did, yeah. Maybe I was maybe I was pre- I was pretty damn high when I saw it. I felt like certain things weren't explained very well, but I didn't care. I was really just soaking up the sort of indie atmosphere of the film. You know, I love the settings. I think that is my favorite part of it is the incredible settings. That amazing house that they oh, filmed. The dad's in. apartment yeah. is the coolest fucking apartment ever. That it's is, really it's like cool. a whole house, and and the yeah. murals they had were uh, very unsettling. You know that they just were able to film in this amazing place because obviously he had no money. That's the coolest place I've ever seen in a movie. It's like a, a vi- it's super I would not cool. mind living there. <laughs> I wouldn't mind living in that whole town, haunted or not, you know, cursed or not, <laughs> by. Uh, even if I have to wake up one day bleeding from my eyes, you know, then I would be worth it because I wanted to shop at that Ralph's. I loved the little town, the little town. I don't know if that's point doom or not, but, uh, you know, I loved like the little shops and everything, the super seventiesness of it, the color of it. It was super fun. Yeah. I loved it too. I I think this movie is innovative in a way in that. It's kind of like your typical 60s, 70s garish horror film, but it had the the pacing of like a more modern A24 slow burn type of horror film, which I appreciated, you know, like yeah. it's just a kind of 
park your ass on the couch and watch this stuff and let it wash over you kind of film. I love that kind of shit. Yeah, everyone looks beautiful in it. Like it's they're fun to watch on screen, even when like scary shit's not happening. Like everyone's in the coolest clothes and funky and <laughs> it's fun. And, and, and the acting's good. Like I I think it's a choice that it's incoherent because like the Frank acting said, is good. I wouldn't call the acting good. <laughs> no, I do. I well here here here's who I, have I think to object to that. Here's who I think is, is a good actor. Is the Valley Girl who 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 gets attacked in the movie theater? Oh, she, uh, Joy Bang. Joy, she's like she like she acts like a real kid would in that situation. She's the best actor. Well, maybe Elisha <laughs> Cook Jr. You know, might be the technically the best actor in it from all the you know, and I'm sure Bob is gonna jump in uh, on the Elijah Cookness of it all. Who's he? But oh, he's the crazy old man who warns he's... them at the beginning and. Oh, that he's monologue. so good. <laughs> that monologue is good. A hundred years ago, the moon started turning red up in the sky, and things began to happen. He's in oh, Maltese yeah. Falcon, so that's that's he's in Shane. He's he's the Patsy in like ninety percent of the film noir. He was in the Killing, I think, right? Yeah, he's in the Killing. He gets he's he yeah, which we the, watched on this. He's the guy who sets them up with the robbery, who who, who gives them the in to the racetrack and he has he's the wife. best patsy and he's like the best patsy in in film history oh he's awesome yeah that's yeah. that's amazing <laughs> his scared Pick face is <laughs> and he's in blackula he's in blackula i mean he's doing a lot oh, of man. 70s horror yeah and he warns them kind of like the old guy in the first couple of friday the 13th movies sure where if they leave as i said in the intro you don't have a movie they should all leave what about my father you have to kill him but I also feel <laughs> too when late. I, I've watched this movie late at night when I had no idea what it was when Creepy Coffee Movie Time showed it uh, uh -huh. way back when, a few, you know, 10 years ago or something. And I just was unaware of this movie and it really crept up on me. And it's like, yeah, they should leave. Everybody tells them to get the fuck out and they stay. But I've had <laughs> nightmares like that where you know it's bad and you yes. know you should get out of some horrifying situation in your subconscious and you don't And this movie really really conveys that the only other mm -hmm. movies i can think of that come close to this or that ride the same wavelength are also from the 70s which are like phantasm and yeah. and suspiria which you can say phantasm mm. is incoherent too but i think that like i was gonna say i think that Florida, i think the incoherence yes. is 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 a choice because if that shit was going down You'd be confused as fuck too. Who are oh, these yeah. people? Why are they like that? What's happening? So it makes you feel confused. But Felina, did you think this movie was slow? At first, yeah. Um, I think the second time I watched it, I think I had a better time. I think it's mostly because I was less stoned the second time watching it. Uh. <laughs> I think I really feel like, yeah, it was better when I was less stoned. Um, because when it was Weird. when I was so stoned, I was like, this is just going on. And like, there's like a few points where I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like, yes, this, this, they're attacking her. Amazing. And then I would just be like, oh man. Okay. All right. Back to this man. I did not care. I did not care for that guy at all. He's but a I creep. Think also, he's a creep. He's a weirdo. Um, a weirdo. He doesn't fit in. Um, <laughs> but what do you mean? 
<laughs> I'm so, what do I you was, mean? I was He's just your av- it's just your everyday average eccentric aristocrat from Euro, you know, some European country <laughs> Euro who trash. likes to collect oddities. He's you know he's a freak, like, including um, like teenage girls. Yeah, yeah. no, a, I, he was trying to start a cult, right? Yeah. Like he's like a cult cult leader thing. Yeah, he's, I felt, like, I, my he's very relatable, very relatable character. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, Dad. <laughs> I bet you he had paramilitary ties. He totally did. But I think I, another thing that made me kind of upset was that I was jealous. Because Point Doom now is bougie as hell. It's fucking overrun with these goddamn, like... Yes. It's overrun with these influencers who just, like... Dude. And Elon Musk is building a glass house there, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I love the thing is is like I love Point Doom. I love that beach. That beach is one of my favorites. There's a great mm. restaurant across the way called uh the Sunset, which is great. They have amazing happy hour. I fucking love it over there. But I hate the area that it's in. I hate that town. Mm. And so I got jealous that the town isn't as cool now as it yeah. was back then. It was a hit. And that sucks. Thing, yeah. That was Culver City, by the way. Most of those um, oh. outdoor exteriors, like where the cops shooting the zombies and the cops hey, same the zombies. Thing, though. Same thing. Culver City sucks now. What was oh, that? Yeah. Was that so. Ralph's actually in Burbank? Because there is that Ralph's. So, you know, that it still has that cool, goofy looking yeah. thing. It's just not as cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there is a there's a site I sent it to you guys on Slack, but there's a site that has the locations of the movie. Oh, nice! What a cast! Not not only the old man from Maltese Falcon, but you got who's the murder victim in the opening scenes? The director of the Walter Hill, right? Walter Hill. Oh yeah, amazing. yeah, Walter. Isn't that incredible? We interrupt this podcast to inform you that Walter Hill is the director of Streets of Fire, Forty Eight Hours, and The Warriors. Can you dig it? You gotta love a movie that has a shocking opening scene that has literally nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Nope. What is that? What is happening in that scene? (laughs) But but that's it's it's kind of like hey, this is we're gonna have a bunch of cool set pieces and dreamlike imagery and Mm -hmm. important scenes that maybe don't line up with each other. So it kind of spells it out. I I love. Of course, the, the the movie theater scene's amazing. Supermarket scene's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love at the end when the zombies start flying through the skylight and you just see like their mm. silhouettes. Oh, it was like yeah. very, very striking and amazing. That was great. Yeah, that was awesome. It is similar to a scene in our next film, White Zombie. The zombies aren't, aren't the zombies in this movie aren't consistent in their behavior, which is cool. Sometimes they're... They're kind of like more like vampires, uh, yeah. you know, like that are, um, you know, because vampires have that... You know, you can control a vampire like the main vampire can control all of its minion vampires that it creates. Right. Yeah. It kind of had like that kind of vibe to me a little bit more than zombies because yeah. zombies wouldn't sit still in a mo- watching the Sammy Davis Jr. Western, you know, uh, <laughs> or or use a gun like the cop zombie uses like he knows how to use weapons yeah. and stuff. Of it's course. Like, yeah. the, yeah. All the, the rules are all fucked up. But I like that because. I mean, there right. it is a little George Romero-y, but it's not not. I don't no. know. This is up there with Dawn of the Dead for me. Is cool seventies. Wow, uh, I, I loved it. Yeah, 
Um, now I have a question for you guys. So the director and writer of this movie, husband and wife team, right? Yes. They, yeah. they, wrote, they wrote a couple Indiana Joneses, right? And they directed uh-huh. Howard the Duck. Amazing, yes. Oh my right? God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now. Oh my God. That's awesome. Now, do you yeah. think, so apparently they did rewrites on the original Star Wars script for Lucas. That's right. After Messiah of Evil. Do you uh-huh. think, do you think Star Wars is good because these people, because after I saw Messiah of Evil, I'm like. Oh, these guys are the ones that made Star Wars good. I don't know, just a, just a thought. <laughs> There's a big long line of people besides George Lucas who made it who good. Everybody, right? you made it good. You know, sure. it's like the first uh, Indiana Jones. Philip Kaufman wrote that, or at least developed it. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is after right. he did Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and he was developing this really cool Star Trek project for a while with Nimoy. Um, in the mid seventies before star Wars. And that was going to have like Spock and Vulcan sex and Tashira Mifune was going to play a Klingon. So yeah, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> the things we got robbed of, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, so there's always these other people. I mean, it, it takes a village to make a, make a good blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Le Aloha is he's a San Francisco comic artist that uh, worked on a lot of issues of Howard the Duck back in the day, along with uh, Marvel Team-Up featuring Shang-Chi and Spider-Man and a lot of the Thanos saga comics that rolled up into Endgame. But I asked him what he thought of the Howard the Duck movie, and he said, never saw it, never will. Hey, come on. It's a bit <laughs> you get to see some duck titties. Well, in it. so bad. yeah, so exactly. You're going to miss out on feathered boobs. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about Gone with West, speaking of other San Francisco characters that I know, is uh, Gone with West is the movie that they're watching in the creepy-ass theater scene. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. And uh, Al Nalbandian, who was the uh, florist at the corner of Geary and Stockton at by uh-huh. Union Square. He was also a character actor since the 50s. He's in American Graffiti. Yeah. He's in uh, Coppola's um, the, the Conversation. You've yes, mentioned him on in, the podcast He's in a before, lot of movies. Yeah, yeah he's in Jack, uh, another Coppola movie, and Peggy Sue Got Married. He's in a lot of Coppola stuff, but he is in... Jack, another Coppola movie. The, the line, it is. It, it's his. It's Francis did that. Tucker, a man in his dream. Al ha- uh-huh. Al's the juror who says, let the man speak in Tucker. Mm-hmm. But Al is in Gone with the West. And it, it is a Western with James Caan and Sammy Davis Jr. And Aldo Ray and Al's. And it was all filmed in the deserts around Vegas. And Al said, Bob, they were laundering some money, some hot money from Vegas. And that's, <laughs> that's the movie. That's what he said about that movie. Wow. <laughs> Another old character actor in this movie is Royal Dano, who I know. From House 2, Ghoulies 2, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I know he was in a lot of stuff before that, but I'm always happy to see him. And he's, he's, he's the dad in this movie, and he gets covered in blue mm. paint. And he totally blows He blew himself in this movie, so that's good. Oh, my but, God. He was so blue. It was yeah. so... <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah, why did, he cover, why did he get covered in blue paint? Why did he get covered in blue paint? For the imagery? He's... For the dreamlike imagery? I don't know. They took me... And they did this to me. And the, the voice vibes. of Abe, the voice of, of Abe, Abe Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah, the Hall of Presidents. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's Royal him. Dano. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's Jason Robards, you know, Jason Robards Jr., but it's Royal Dano. That's who it is. Amazing. Yeah, what a, ca- what a weird cast. What a Great I, cast. Yeah, weird. I love this movie. This is my first time seeing it, by the way, Bob. It was awesome. Same. Same mm-hmm. here. She's back. 
And it's back to it's time once again for the TikTok report with Melina Franklin. Woo! Okay. Um, TikTok definitely knows about Messiah of Evil. Um, there is a whole slew of millennial film nerds that just love old movies, which mm. is really fun. There's like a whole genre of um movie old movie reviewers um that are all they're all white and they're all millennials pretty much and that comes with some like how cool Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it comes with some like really fun comments which i love so here it is here's one um, from retrospective film, Messiah of Evil, 1973, Evil awaits as Laura wanders into the local supermarket. It's just a clip of uh, the supermarket scene. And Kiwi reply, this is um, in the comments. Kiwi says, she's like, I see the signs of a stupid white person, but let me continue onto this path of death because why not? <laughs> M33R says, what signs she did everything a normal person would do? Ah, yes, because following some creep into a grocery store and ignoring all of the bad bad vibes is normal. I didn't see she was following someone, my bad. And why did you, and that's why you would die first in a horror movie. Embarrassing. Everybody roasting. (laughs) Everyone was just- Salty, salty, yeah, salty, rude, dude. Just, just enjoy the scene, millennials. Don't you don't need to crack it. You don't need to crack it open. <laughs> and then there's Yikes. movie. There's another one by Movie Boy Guy. His name is Cooper. He's just like he's just a little white boy that every. He's just like he's cute, you know. Yeah, he's just a cute white boy, and he loves so, cinema, and he loves cinema. And that comes with a lot of thirsty comments. Okay. But uh, Kevin Jojo says, I'm in love with your content. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Patty Valentine goes, I'd love to watch movies with you. It's just like so flirty. Like what the hell? And there's like two heart emojis. Girl, so thirsty. Anyway, there were a lot of uh, there was there were a lot of people also saying that American Horror Story, like one of the latest seasons, was really really heavily inspired by Messiah of Evil. I think it was American Horror Story. It's the double feature one. Apparently, the tail end of that is very Messiah of Evil esque. So there were a bunch of comments about that. Messiah of Evil is literally American Horror Story season ten. Well, it is public domain, so they could just remake Probably. the fucking thing shot for they shot if they wanted to. ten fucking seasons of that shit? Oy Dude. Vey. Oh, and there's oh. more. But wonder if Ryan Murphy took inspiration from this. Um, new season of American Horror Story. <laughs> took um, inspiration or just the entire plot and vibe of <laughs> story Maybe. script of. Maybe. Um, but then there's um, there is another... Uh, Marta, she goes by Marta McFly. She has 15... 15- k followers wow um whoa yeah oh man wait i didn't even tell you cooper he's oh yeah he's got 70 73 k followers um dude so these guys are these we could barely get 150 plays (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the marta she reviews uh this she's like very lovecraftian vibes Love it. Mm. Um, go watch her review. It's very good. 
there are a bunch of comments. There are some mean comments, some salty comments too. This asshole named DeAndre says, hear me out. You're a woman. Still am since your last comment. And then someone. Fuck off, DeAndre. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck him. you, DeAndre. Fuck you. 51% of the population are women, DeAndre. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you wonder why everyone hates you. Yeah. You're toxic. <laughs> Fucking toxic. Yeah, yeah. And then, sorry, somebody, somebody said, hear me out. Your taste is boring. And Marta replies, dang, harsh. You're sorry you're not a fan. My taste isn't for everyone. Hope you watch something fun tonight. Anaï said, so sorry. I was talking, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about the mean commenter. Um, I enjoyed your video and I think you have great taste. I was just rebutting that guy. Um, and then DeAndre goes, how is it sexist? <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> fucking oh, asshole. Fuck you, DeAndre. Fuck you, DeAndre. DeAndre. <laughs> yeah. Can we all say it at once? One, two, three. Fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you DeAndre. DeAndre. What kind of weed got you there uh, for Messiah of Evil? First, let's go with Corey. Um, but I think you should get so fucking high during this movie. So I suggest us any kind of strong indica. The higher, the better. I can't wait mm -hmm. to see this in a fucking crowded theater full of people late at night. I, I, I hope they I'd love to see a beautifully scratchy 35 millimeter print of this. I'm so excited to see this again. Uh, I smoked the Jeter Juice Live Resin Disposable Vape, the Purple Passion flavor. This is my favorite disposable vape right now. Uh, Purple Passion is the indica strain that has grape and earth flavors with a subtle hint of licorice. A knockout strain, a super heavy high that you could feel behind your eyes. So I, any kind of heavy indica, but I really love these Jeter Juice disposable vapes. Amazing. Felina. Here's a fun update also since uh, I've been gone. I've learned how to roll myself. Yay, congratulations. I'm so proud of That's myself. Um, Who taught I, you? You. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> he taught me, but I perfected it. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing really well. Um, so I've been I've been rolling myself some joints. Um, and I've been smoking uh out of my big bag of shake that I get for thirty bucks at Rebud. Um, I've been getting I got first class funk, um, which is a indica leaning hybrid. Nice. Um, it's really really euphoric, gets you like feeling good. The negatives are it does make me very anxious. Um, it kind of gives me like that anxiety. So uh, I think I was just a little bit too stoned and I got a little too anxious watching this movie. And I was just like, ah, <laughs> ah I can't deal with this anymore. Like, like either make this faster or like stop. <laughs> <laughs> but when I watched it the second time, I watched um, I, I did smoke the same first class funk, but I smoked less of it. Um, so I totally disagree with Corey. I say smoke, um, smoke a little bit, have like a good time, feel good, but don't get too stoned. Yeah. So that's, uh, I would say just like a light of whatever you got in the house. Do you, do you think an indica would maybe be a little bit better than a sativa on this to kind of mellow you out and make you maybe more receptive to the pacing? Maybe. I think, yeah, like an indica. I actually, you know what? I think a, a, a sativa would have helped for me um, because my brain would have been able to like keep up. I think like I was just, mm. I was just not, I don't know. I was, I was, I was thinking about other shit. Okay. Greg. 
Well, I'm with Corey. I think a heavy indica is totally the way to go. And being the literal motherfucker that I am, knowing this was coming up, I saw at the dispensary Zombie OG. Ooh, shit. (laughs) Which was fucking perfect for this. They knew what they were doing when they named this strain. This is this is a uh you know sometimes the stupid weed pun with the movie works it clicks this is one of those times I don't know if it's like the heaviest indica I think it's like 19% THC but uh delicious and totally got me in the mood for both films this week so I smoked nice. the same stuff cool uh for both uh, you know I did the same thing and- I did a zombie double feature uh, both these movies are mm. short, and especially White Zombie is real short. It's barely over an hour. So I just watched them both. And I smoked Royal mm-hmm. Cherry Diesel from Key, and it is 23% THC and 0% wow. CBD. But but it was like I just had a couple hits at the beginning and then maybe followed it up to keep me high. And it was a nice zombie double feature. I was really, I wasn't outrageously stoned through it. Because this has been maybe mm-hmm. sitting around a little while, but it was right. It was right. I enjoyed both films and saw the trippy stuff and really focused on that in the way that I hope marijuana does when I watch movies like this. So I, I recommend. I recommend uh, uh, Royal Cherry Diesel. It's a maybe goes in a little bit harsh, but that you know that's the dieselness of it. But it could also be these cheap ass cricket lighters that I bought by the gross at food max a while ago that i'm stuck with because those kind of have a heavy butane flavor going in sometimes so that that could be the diesel that could be why it's called diesel but it could also be the cheap ass lighters so royal cherry diesel got me there definitely recommend it but i have another recommendation for white zombie because it got me thinking of other strains that could go with these movies so I, i will save that for later on so this this movie is stony this is a stony movie made for heads it's a commentary on square people and artists and 70s druggy cult leaders it is stony as hell this is a stoned ass movie messiah of evil is now streaming on prime and it's public domain so you could find it on youtube and archive.org and just about everywhere else and if you run a movie theater and you care about quality, you can book a restored 35 millimeter print or DCP of it from our friends at the American Genre Film Archive. Go to AmericanGenreFilm.com to find out more about booking Messiah of Evil for your theater or drive-in. And speaking of screenings, the Balboa Theater in San Francisco is showing Messiah of Evil on <gasps> Friday, October 6th, for the creepy oh. coffee movie time reunion. No name and Balrock oh. will be there. Plus the cave girls. And I'll be there too. I can guarantee that they are just projecting the episode of oh. creepy coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, hey, hey. I was like, are they going to show the 35 no. millimeter print from ACFA? Oh, no, but it is it. the episode with Hecklina in it. Uh, rest in peace. Oh, okay. So, okay, so you get that Heclina. and you get no name in Balrock and the, you know, it is a movie within a movie because they're there in person and they're there on the screen. And I bet some zombies are going to show up and eat us all in the Balboa because it's definitely a lot like that Fox Theater. Go to BalboaMovies.com to get tickets. Like, I'll be there. It'll be a fun time. But yes, Corey, it will not be the restored 35 millimeter uh, print from your friend uh, Brett. 
is his name it? Brett Berg. He's the guy you talk to when you book a thing from Agfa. Yeah, yeah. The great, the great Brett Berg from the Museum of Home Video. Watch the Museum of Home Video every Tuesday. They've been having these events at Vidiots that are just the funnest things I've been to in years. So I highly recommend it. I have to say, I was looking around for both of these films. They're on various platforms. Yes. The print on Shutter was by far the best. Okay. Good looking. Um, it was totally pristine. It must have been that that restored version uh, that you talked to. It was actually widescreen. Ooh. The one on Amazon is chopped oh. uh, 4.3, and mm-hmm. it's very... Um, dusty dirty like faded i think it's i think there's a charm yeah there though you can't you can't go wrong but i i i loved being able to see the rich color we missed stuff the, uh, i mean yeah. like, it's so the imagery is so striking I, i'd love to mm-hmm. see a restored version yeah i watched the scratchy mm-hmm. version too um haiti land of the voodoo comes the most infamous cult of all Bela lugosi as Murder Legendre. I see death. Master of the undead damned. The sinister power behind the white zombie. In 1931, Universal Pictures' Dracula catapulted its star, Hungarian refugee Bela Lugosi, to superstardom. That same year, Lugosi was offered the role of the lumbering monster in Universal's Frankenstein, but he turned it down due to its lack of dialogue and heavy makeup, a move that ensured the rise of his movie monster rival, Boris Karloff. While Bela did get a five-picture deal out of Universal from Dracula's success, he'd find himself competing for screen time with Karloff in many of those later films, as great as they are. To get the kind of role where he could dominate the screen the way he did as the Count, Lugosi went independent in 1932 with our next film. Widely considered the first zombie movie, Lugosi plays Murder Legendre, a plantation owner who uses undead labor to mill his sugar cane, and Ben's young Madeline, played by Madge Bellamy, to his will with the voodoo he appropriated from Haitian locals, whom he has also enslaved post-mortem. Made on a shoestring by the brothers Edward and Victor Halperin, but featuring haunting visuals punctuated by one of Lugosi's best performances, this is... White Zombie. Felina, in the Felina Apocalypse, you programmed Warm Bodies, a zombie romance movie from 2013. White Zombie is also a zombie romance. How do they compare? <laughs> uh, well, obviously, Warm Bodies is way better. Um... Oh. <laughs> oh, bad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think commit to it. Wait. <laughs> no, no. I mean, okay. White Zombie was fun. I really liked it. I will say, I again, I watched this one twice because I watched it the first. I actually watched this one three times. Um, I started Once, it. Oh my god! And then twice, I watched it three times. A zombie. 
sorry. I watched it uh, the first time, like partially. And then I was like, okay, hold on. Let me, I need to get way more stoned. And then I watched it more stoned. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot deal with this. I, this was, I, I can't, I can't. Um, and then I watched it a third time and it was in the morning. And this time, like that time I was like, yeah, okay, for sure. So I think that this is a morning movie. Um, this is a perfect movie. I think if you want to, if it's like kind of gloomy outside, you got to fold your laundry. This is Mm. a great way to start your day. Just like wake and bake, watch this movie, fold, Mm -hmm. like get some chores done. It's just so I feel like you probably I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's the best way to do it. Um, I I really loved um, how pretty this movie was just like this, the staircases and this beautiful long dress. She's running down the stairs. Oh, my God. Like, I can't get that visual out of my head or the I love also how both of these movies are seaside horror, which is really cool. I really love the yeah, they're both yeah. uh next to the ocean, which was just like really, I don't know, it was really awesome. The ending of of uh this one was really really fucking cool. Zombies by the sea. Zombies by the sea. Yeah, I didn't realize that really until now that yeah, there's crashing waves and zombies mm-hmm. and there are scenes of zo- both movies have as Corey brought up scenes in Messiah of Evil where the zombies are kind of crashing through the ceiling and dropping down. There are there's similar shots in this mm-hmm. movie. So zombies jumping totally. jumping to the camera. Mm-hmm. What did yeah. you, what did you think about the what did you think about the zombies themselves, Felina? They're a, depart, a departure of what we know of zombie rules today, right? Definitely different. I didn't mind it though. I could like, I don't know. I could be like, yeah, I could see this being a zombie. Like you are a, in a zombie state, but you're not a zombie. So mm-hmm. it's voodoo, baby. Voodoo spell, right? Isn't that what the, is voodoo mm-hmm. shit? Very racist. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the politics of this, the racial politics of this movie or the racist politics of this movie. I mean, white zombie Madeline, uh, the, the woman who is, who is entranced by Lugosi. She's mm. the white zombie. And there's other white zombies in the movie too. They're all white zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, the, black, the black zombies have to do the shit work. They, they right. grind, they, they grind the, uh, sugar cane. And I have to say, that scene still gets me where there's that one zombie that falls into the mill. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yes. That, that scene reminded me a lot of like an Amazon warehouse, you know, like it felt like if they, I want to see like a, (laughs) you know, a Jeff Bezos as Lugosi, you know, film. I want to see a woke white zombie movie directed by Jordan Peele. That's what I want to see is a remake. Oh is, my God. Yeah. I kind yeah. of think Lugosi's more the guy who are uh, <laughs> Lugosi's looks still Lugosi. He's the same. He's guy. Peter Thiel. But the um, the uh, the Bezos is the guy who wants to enslave Madeline, and okay, wants to steal sure. her from her fiance. Because I could just thinking of Jeff Bezos there instead of that plantation owner and Lugosi <laughs> saying, "You could use men like mine." Ooh, <laughs> yeah. my God! You could make good use of men like mine. 
foundation. Well, let, let me continue on the yeah. racial politics of it, and then yes. we'll go to Lugosi's performance. But yeah, she is the white zombie. And I do want to warn people if there's younger viewers or African-American viewers or just viewers of taste who are sensitive to this, there is blackface um, in this movie. Oh, Pierre, yeah. who is the old, like, kind of voodoo, good voodoo magic guy that the yeah. uh, minister character goes to, he he's played by a white man. And I dropped his picture into the chat here if you want to take a look at this vaudevillian actor from Liverpool, England, who they painted up. And what's really frustrating about it, and it's like, it's such a great movie otherwise, is that the most compelling performance outside of Lugosi's in this movie is by the coachman, who is an African-American actor, who oh, yeah. is Clarence Muse. He, he is like the most memorable thing in this movie outside of Lugosi. And he was born in 1889 in Baltimore. He's in Shadow of a Doubt. I'm trying to think of what else he's in. He's in Car Wash. Car Wash is one of his last movies from the 70s. He studied law, but went into acting because he didn't think a black man could make a living as a lawyer in America. And he's part of the Harlem Renaissance. He's performing in these, you know, stage productions there. And he wrote songs. His song, Basin Street Blues, When It's Sleepy Time Down wow. South. Appears in Casino. It's, wow. uh, it's heard in uh, Scorsese's Casino. So um, just an amazing guy. He said that Lugosi directed some of the scenes, basically placing the actors for mm. effect, mm. Uh, which is which is cool, I guess. You over here. You over here. <laughs> yes. I know. Can you imagine that? You will. There are no two Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Lugosi. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and 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 uh, Pierre the Witch Doctor, played by Dan Crimmins, who is an English actor born mm -hmm. in 1863. It is the cool thing about watching movies from the 30s or 20s is you see these people who were born during the fucking Civil War are still in these things by this mm -hmm. point. And uh, but yeah, it, 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 they they could have found an African American actor or an African actor, um, yeah, who could have played that part and just brought a lot. Yeah. I mean. Uh, Clarence Muse yeah. brings so much weight to the part of the coachman that really sets up the movie. He sets up yeah. the fucking movie. Yeah. Zombie. The living dead. And then they skimp out and get some stupid white Vaudelian yeah. guy. Horrible. That was a bummer. Do you know who plays the priest, Bob? He was really good. He is good. Yeah. I mean, uh, let me let me take a look at that. I did not. I, he was my favorite. The show. priest that tries to help the the poor dude. With his girlfriend or with his fiance, he he helps move the movie along. Yeah, he's cool. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming it's uh, Doctor. It's Joseph Cawthorn who is Doctor Brunner. I'm assuming he has a name, mm -hmm. uh, a title like Doctor. But um, yeah, he's he's good. He's definitely uh, got born in 1872. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, Jesus, Felina, you're the you're the actor here. Uh, what about Lugosi's performance? He's awesome. Dude, Bella Lugosi's so cool. He's just so he's so good. He's so striking. His yeah. eyes are just um, oh my god, I amazing. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's fucking he's great. He iconic. just knows iconic. Exactly, that's the right word. He is mm -hmm. iconic. Yeah, I wanna I wanna see him in everything, and I'm I'm very excited to get to the TikTok report because there's a lot um about Lugosi and that well well the, 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 let me let me let me just say this it's it's a short movie 61 minutes long 
however, it doesn't move very fast and it does feel like you watch it three times. Yeah. Even if you don't watch it three times like Felina did. I it gave me plenty of time to kind of ponder if on a technical level, this is probably one of the worst movies that we've watched on this podcast. However, it is by far not the worst thing that has ever been called white zombie. <laughs> oh man. Right? Yes, true. So true. So true. So so you don't you don't think some of the visuals, the 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 sugarcane mill scene, the scene with the zombies coming down the hill like I the, love I love don't yeah. get me wrong. It's it's for every great moment and I loved seeing all of these shots that I've seen a zillion times in music videos like that one the 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 executioner zombie coming down the stairs which is in like the under pressure video and all these things yeah i've i've seen most of this movie in other movies yeah in video exactly exactly <laughs> well, public domain so it gets yeah. tra- you know we could <laughs> for I sure could just i could just when i i could make this move this episode for youtube tomorrow and just play white zombie <laughs> yes. you know one and a quarter times <laughs> through it and not mm-hmm. have to do anything else yeah exactly i mean the it's I love I love the the there's a there's a rustic charm to the compositing effects. You know, I loved the scene where the cuckolded uh uh husband is <laughs> drunk <laughs> and seeing his uh his wife every, everywhere oh, yeah. and running up to hug shadows that are not there. That was fantastic. All That's of so the cool, lo- yeah. Lugosi's anything with Lugosi's eyes that are lit and glowing out of oh. coffee cups and uh, and 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 hovering over the uh the 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 vista you know are awesome visual shots they're they're more accidentally good than good it turned out great in the end but I agree with you I agree with you 100% and I I feel about this movie the kind of the way Felina thought or felt about Messiah of Evil is like when the when when it's when Lugosi's on screen, it's exciting. When those set pieces happen, exciting. Everything in between is kind of old man, slow and creaky. And yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was distracted and looking at my phone, and it it felt longer than sixty minutes. I feel you. Sorry, yeah. Bob. Go ahead. What were you saying? Well, I well also the one scene that's you know, and this is a movie I used to own on Criterion Laserdisc back when, but it was a revelation to me when I saw it, which was on video. Right. Um, for some reason, I missed this on TV, even though it must've been on a thousand times because it costs nothing to run it. But um, the, the funeral scene, the funeral scene for uh, Madeline, right. with, you know, it's very, very Guns N' Roses, November rain, but <laughs> <laughs> what struck me, and this might be the weed talking, mm. um, were all the scenes that are kind of framed through like a lattice or the camera is looking through some kind of grating. Yes as people descend mm-hmm. or or even there's a scene armpits a lot of armpit shots yeah the, our, the armpit <laughs> triangle and there's just like they are definitely uh victor halperin who's yeah. just this kind of roll em, crank it out kind right. of filmmaker through most of his career for whatever reason they they were ex- more experimental with this movie right you know, I find this movie to have more pluses than minuses. It delivers more great scenes and mm-hmm. great performances. Yeah, from totally. Lugosi. Um, and the zombies are really freaky and weird. The executioner cool. zombie is the best of them by far. Yeah, so cool. like that guy is—he almost killed me. It's, you know, yeah. like that—that that guy. <laughs> he just looks like the guy that would like chase Charlie Chaplin. 
you know, or like, <laughs> oh my God. you know what I mean? He yeah. probably, probably is. is. He looks he like the guy is. who would like be like the three stooges boss, you know, yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember which zombie it is. I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, IMDb. So it's maybe is Von Gelder's the zombie with the Iron Cross, right? He's like the German zombie. So I'm thinking it's Frederick Peters here, who was born in 1884 and uh, from Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. The Frederick Peters is the the tall the, the tallest zombie. zombie. And there is a yeah, there is a C, and he's got the 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 tank top that's drooping. He's down like a vest or something. Yeah, and and he has like a little fez. They shoot him, and they shoot yeah, him, and right. you, they do the bullet holes, which is very that's kind of for the time, boring, pretty pretty almost seventies level violence yeah. for nineteen thirty two. It's amazing that you know the zombies aren't really dead; they're under some kind of spell, and yet bullets don't bother them. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> You're not ever quite sure if they're really dead or not, or some of them are dead and some of them aren't. It's very, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's very ambiguous. Which I again, going back to Messiah of Evil, the ambiguity helps the horror. And but I have a question for Corey because he's always saying this movie isn't stony or this movie is. Is White oh. Zombie stony? Yeah, it's stony, and it's it's. I think it's in like the canon of stoner movies. So I'm glad I got to check it off the list. I'm glad I watched it all the way through. Um, this is my mm-hmm. first time seeing it, of course. It's, but like, I, 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 there are some misses in it that don't make it a perfect movie for me. Like, I don't think I'm ever gonna. St- I should watch it again, but it's not give, making me want to. Like Messiah of Evil, like I can't wait to watch it again. I think one thing that could have made it more cool is if the director had a little more vision and it was more like German expressionist, like Dr. Caligari, or even the Universal horror stuff mm-hmm. that has more shadows and stuff like you know more abstract right. stuff i think that would have taken it over but lugosi makes everything good so it it does have a lot of good like kind of cool shots in it like bob mentioned like shots through things and stuff but there are so many scenes that are just proscenium shot yeah. long dialogue just so boring thank you that's Horribly what i was trying perform- to exactly. yeah just terrible performance and like the movie is half that and half like kind of interesting stuff visually or like weird try hard effects i like i even like like the the weird um obvious matte painting of the castle with yeah. like a little bit of <laughs> you know a little bit of moving uh ocean and then like the ocean yeah that that the the, the very <laughs> yeah. final the very final scene that set piece is kind of cool there's like it's like a play right yeah. there's a lot of it's like a stage there's a lot of movement up in there and then down here um i want to give a special mm-hmm. shout out to the actual best actor in the movie and that's whoever did the voice of the vulture <laughs> you're right you're right <laughs> yeah yeah it's so crazy yeah. that vulture that noise is really the craziest good. shit i've ever seen that was really <laughs> good <laughs> It is pre-code, so Madge Bellamy, uh, she's in her 30s, 30s lacy panties as she's getting mm-hmm. ready for her wedding uh, before she's converted into the white zombie. She uh, later, her career ended in scandal because she had a five-year affair with some industrialist in San Francisco, I think a timber industrialist that went badly, and she stalked him, I forget which street, it should have been in a yesterday's, oh, one of my... Uh, SF Weekly yesterday's crime column because she shot at him uh, because he was dumping <laughs> her and so that wow. the scandal from that she didn't kill him she winged him but she didn't kill him uh, I wish I had printed out the details on it 
But yeah, her career ended in scandal. I mean, she was a silent movie yeah. actress who made the transition, but not really that well because she's in White Zombie, which is a really, really cheap, grindhousey kind of movie. But um, is yeah, she else? Is, what else scandal, is she in? So let me see. Well, while you're Black looking zombie. that up, I have to say you do have to look around. The print on Amazon is colorized. And oh, again, yeah, it's colorized that. and a really terrible job of it. In fact, I watched, I was really high when I watched it, and I put on the Amazon version and I watched the entire. I mean, this opening song is a banger. But I, uh, I I watched the entire credit sequence, not realizing it was colorized because they did such a terrible job of it. Oof. And I was like, that's rough. Is it blue? What What is happening here? I don't know what's going on. So the the version I watch, and I don't know. I don't think we talk about this enough on the podcast is the version on Canopy is pristine, beautiful print. You can see everything uh, very clearly in it. All of the hokey effects are presented as if they're brand new. I think it's nationwide. Well, it, it some libraries have it and some don't. I mm-hmm. I always that's I I will say at the end at participating libraries, my canopy is available through San Francisco Public. But if I was just relying on yeah. San Leandro, no, they don't have it. Daily City usually uh, go to your if you're in a metro area. Go yes. to the richest part of your metro area, get the a library hills. card there, and sign up for Canopy. I think LA Public definitely has it, but yes, they do. Oh yeah, that's why that's how I have it. I have it through the LA Public Library, and I was like, I don't know, I had to, I had to install it, you know, on this new um, Apple machine, but very, very much was worth it. The Tubi print is unwatchable. I had to, I, uh, I went on YouTube and just scanned. I went through like four YouTubes until I found a good one. So that's all. Yeah. There's a decent one on archive, but yeah, if you have access mm-hmm. to Canopy, I do say it over and over again. Anytime this comes up, same thing with Night Tide. We talked about it in Night Tide uh, at okay. least at the end. I always say Canopy. If you can get it, get it because it's going to be the best print. It's going to be there. That's true. Okay. Let's go back to Madge Bellamy a little bit here. I've brought it up. By the early 1940s, Bellamy's career had virtually ended. She garnered considerable media attention when on January 20th, 1943, she was arrested in San Francisco and charged with assault with a deadly weapon after firing a 32 caliber revolver at her former lover, wealthy lumber executive Albert Stanwood Murphy. She shot at him three times. Bellamy had been having an affair with Murphy for five years before he ended the relationship in October 1942. After learning that Murphy had married former model June Almy shortly after the breakup, Bellamy traveled to San Francisco to confront him and made him suffer somehow. She uh, waited around Murphy's apartment in the Knob Hill area for four days. She eventually spotted Murphy leaving the Pacific Union Club on January 20th. While Murphy was getting into his car, Bellamy fired three shots at him. She later said, I wasn't within speaking distance of Murphy, but he saw me and shouted something I didn't understand. Maybe don't. Then I guess I shot at him. He ducked and ran. She fired three times, hitting Murphy's car twice while the third shot missed. 
Witnesses wrestled the gun out of her hand. So she didn't wing him, but she shot at the guy three times. Wow. She is crazy. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. White White Zombie is by far the most uh, remembered film she's in. She's in a lot of movies in the 20s, a lot of silent films. Mm. She's in a version of Lorna Doon, but yeah, White Zombie is how she'll be remembered. Wow. Okay, do we got a TikTok report here? Oh, do we have a TikTok report? Yes, we do. We have even a bigger TikTok report than the other one. Really? Awesome. Yeah. Even though it's older. Wow. I can't no. wait. Just go. Uh, do you want me to okay, do another awesome. intro? I'll, I no, no, it's intro. fine. Okay. No, no, no. You sure? Um, you sure I can do another one? It's Felina Franklin <laughs> and the TikTok report. Ah! going to do it. <laughs> Behind the Screams posted a, did you know the first ever zombie movie is dot, 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 and then waits till the very end to say white zombie. And it's more just human a than the human. More human than the human. Sorry, I thought that would be on the TikTok video. No. No, no, it's uh, there's a band called White Zombie, Felina, that you might be blissfully unaware of. Anyway, but uh, this this video got 117 likes. Skittle Gay Apocalypse said, yeah, I watched it a couple of weeks ago. The creator replied, Bela Lugosi is the goat emoji. Um, (laughs) He's right. He's right. He's right. Totally right. Pretty much all of the other videos that I have saved are fan edits, thirst oh. traps of Bella Lugosi. Thirst traps. <laughs> What's a, what is a thirst trap? Please explain this to okay. the. I mean, I'm 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 like getting. I'm I'm could join the uh, AARP here, Felina. So give me a definition. <laughs> Okay, a thirst trap is a uh, video on TikTok that someone is like overtly like trying to be sexy. So that's how oh. they garner likes and and follows and views is just by being sexy. And so people So so it's Lugosi smut? Lugosi smut. Pretty oh, much. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Viva TikTok. <laughs> so this this one says it's when Belly Lagosa said, I've taken a fancy to you. Um, oh, and it's just oh like my, video. I have taken a fancy, fancy to you. <laughs> Dude, hold on. I just have to show it is literally just like people like <laughs> clips of Bella Lagosi that are just like, oh man, he's so cute. Um <laughs> You know, if the Chinese government is going to destroy America with TikTok, I, I'm I'm all for this now. Yes. I'm fine. Do it. If you're TikTok's gonna destroy right us sometimes. With, yeah. With Bella Lugosi smut, with people lusting, you're getting you're getting all these young people lusting for Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Fine, Chinese Communist Party. Do your best. Take your best shot. Um, there's other, there's a bunch of other edits of this movie too. Like, so, okay. This is like very, I think big in the, uh, in like the goth community because all of these are like hashtag goth, hashtag, Um, hashtag, um, yeah. Hashtag golden age, hashtag goth. Okay. Um, but it's this clip and it's that song that's like, he needs me. He needs me. He needs me. He needs me. From Popeye. Yeah. Harry Nilsson. Yeah. Nilsson, yeah. It's just that, and it's just clips of this movie. Um, because Weird. it's so beautiful. I have to applaud the TikToker there for not just using Bella Lugosi's dad yeah. for finding mm-hmm. other songs. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. 
thinking outside the box. Uh, who's the TikToker? Uh, in this this case? one is Penguin. Penguin. P A N G U E I N. Penguin. Nice. With two followers, and that is their only video. <laughs> nice. Well, it's a great video. We have, and you're, you're, you are yes. Bob's favorite TikToker, Penguin. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's another user named Cat or, oh, Jemapel Chunky. Okay. That's my name is Chunky in on yes. Um, And they do a lot of uh, edits and fan cams, which is uh, just clipping a bunch of stuff together. There are just so many edits of this movie that it's that it's wow. It's incredible. Hashtag. Come on now. Show me the hashtags. Rude. Show her the hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. OK. Hashtag Madge Bellamy. Hashtag White Zombie. Hashtag Old Hollywood. Hashtag Golden Age of Hollywood. Hashtag Classic Hollywood. 1930s. Vintage. Pre-code Hollywood. Hashtag Horror. Hashtag Halloween. Hashtag Goth. Wow. Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. No Bella Lugosi's dead. And no fucking White Zombie. Is there any vultures up in there? No. No vultures. <laughs> no vultures up here. Um, I will say here. Let me see. Are there any? Um, it's spooky time uh, from. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's any good comments. Um, I must confess. I am obsessed with this video in particular, but also your whole profile. And it's literally just edits. Bestie, just watch the movie. If you're obsessed with these clips, just watch the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Good point. <laughs> Where can I watch it, my man? It's the full flick. The full flick is on YouTube for free. So yeah, just like yeah. lots of clips. So Corey, what kind of weed do you recommend with White Zombie? I am going to go totally basic and say White Widow. Why? Any mm. weed will work for White Zombie. So why not? And Greg already got OG Zombie. So I'm going to go white with the white and do White Widow. White <laughs> Widow is a hybrid yes. weed strain made from a genetic cross between a Brazilian sativa and a resin heavy south in indian indica so not haiti but brazilian and south indian um this strain is 60 percent sativa 40 percent indica it's one of the most famous strains so you can find it anywhere in the nation energetic talkative creative it helps with stress anxiety and pain and so you won't be in the couch with the indica you'll be having more of a sativa high while you go through this quick movie and you know what i'm going to suggest play with your phone during the boring scenes <laughs> that's what it. i said like fold you you might miss some some lugosi eyes popping up yeah yeah you look for those <laughs> that's that's why i said like you should fold during this you should do an activity while watching this right. movie because it's it there are some very boring parts i have the same weed suggestion as i did before i don't have any other weed in the house right now you know you could tell we're nearing the end of the season because we're like god i can't really afford to even me uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh the royal cherry diesel is hiding in this drawer i've been <laughs> for this is season one weed wow while i'm blathering i'm going to suggest uh when i was i smoked the royal cherry diesel and i enjoyed it for my zombie double feature but i kind of got nostalgic for other season one of old movie for young stoners weed that i don't have anymore alien og is another 50 50 indica sativa hybrid it is a cross of tahoe og and alien kush but i think it's like kind of more psychedelic and trippy you get a trippier mm. high from Alien OG that I was ever able to get out of Royal Cherry Diesel. So I will say that I recommend that for this movie. And I recommend it for Messiah of Evil as well. So... <laughs> <laughs>
So, Greg, what are okay? What do you recommend with White Zombie, and what are you smoking right now? It's the same stuff. It's the Zombie OG. For some reason, my my webcam is making me uh, look like a scene out of White Zombie, which <laughs> yeah. has a lot of focus, out of focus, focus. <laughs> a lot of out of focus scenes. Some intentional, some pretty obviously not intentional. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's one of the most out of focus movies I've ever seen in in my life. But uh, no, I just I just stuck with the Zombie OG, and it was the same for both films. Okay, now I think we. We all did zombie double features, right? Am I correct in that? Or yeah. at least three out of four of us did. Um, which sequence did you watch these movies in? I watched White Zombie first and then Messiah of Evil second. Felina? I watched White Zombie a day before, or like half of White Zombie a day before. And then I watched Messiah of Evil and then White Zombie. And then I watched White Zombie and Messiah of Evil. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Greg, what about you? I same same as Corey. I started with the it's sort of like a, the appetizer, you know. Mm. And I don't I don't know how long is Messiah of Evil. How long is that film? It's like, it's an like hour. A, maybe an hour and twenty six minutes. I it's think it's still yeah. short. Both of these movies felt like The Godfather. Like they are very <laughs> slow, yeah. uh, very long movies. It didn't feel like an hour. Like White Do- Zombie does not feel like an hour. It doesn't. I, I, I agree, but also I wanted to stay in the world of Messiah of Evil because I like 70s yes. shit. So. <laughs> yeah. No, an I hour agree. and 30 it's... minutes. An hour and 30 minutes, Messiah <laughs> of Evil, and White Zombie 61 minutes. I, I, you know, have old man insomnia. So I wake up in the middle of the night and I watch a episode of a TV show or a movie and hopefully go back to sleep. I was not going back to sleep. When I watch, I, so I watched Messiah of Evil first uh-huh. and smoked the, the, the weed. In the middle and of the night? Th- yeah, like at 3 a.m. That's, that's when you want to watch. That's when you want to watch it because it is fucking, it got to me. Yeah. It's like a movie where you would not go in your garage no. after, after watching Messiah of Evil when it's over yeah. at like 3.30 a.m. Yeah. And, you know, you yeah. started it at 2. But I couldn't sleep, and I, it was kind of because I was maybe a little scared, so I was kind of a little amped up in this kind of nightmare way. So I'm like, oh fuck it, I'll put put on White Zombie, which I kind of got into the mellow high of for White Zombie, right? And and was just like, oh, you know, I don't I don't know, I was really receptive to White Zombie after Messiah. But you've seen so, White Zombie, I'm sure. I've seen both of them a few times, yeah. So, so. but you've seen probably White Zombie multiple times. More than yeah, maybe Messiah Evil a couple times before this, and then then White Zombie. Maybe I might have watched at least parts of it ten times. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you go way back with that one. The first zombie movie. Yeah, it's it's the from the root to the fruit, man. <laughs> White Zombie is available on Canopy, a free video streaming service available through participating public libraries. Ask your librarian about Canopy. It's public domain too, so you could also find White Zombie on Prime, which is colorized, so fuck Prime, fuck Jeff Bezos. But you can find it on YouTube, archive.org, Tubi, Freebie. But yeah, you definitely, if you have Canopy, go Canopy first on this. It is a beautiful print. We wrap up our public domain zombies episode. Felina, it's great to have you back. Can we have you back in October for our second Halloween episode? Absolutely. 
Okay, so that means we're going public domain or close to it once again. Uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein's available and all these other movies, but they're from Universal, NBC, so mm. fuck that. Settle with SAG. We're going public domain. It's a public domain party because a public domain party don't stop. So we have Vincent <laughs> Price coming up in House on Haunted Hill from Grace favorite director gimmick master william castle also Woo! more elijah cook jr action coming up so. yes yeah we've got more elijah <laughs> now we're talking and then we feature a filmmaker Corey has wanted on this show since the very start the gormeister himself herschel oh. gordon lewis with blood feast finally that's also on canopy folks so get your canopy subscriptions ready the movie oh my god Felina, you are going to fucking love it. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen any HGL. You haven't seen okay. it, Corey? No. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are in for a treat. Woo! I'm so excited. Okay. It is the movie that asks the question, have you ever had an, an Egyptian, Egyptian feast? feast? <laughs> <laughs> well, one time in Culver City. No. <laughs> and... You can pack that in your bowl and smoke it right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. I'll see you guys at the Ralphs and Burbank.